There is something unimaginable that is worth living and dying for that only God can grant to those that love Him. But we can only learn how to attain such a thing through godly wisdom, which can only be fostered in our lives through the indwelling and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the instruction of the Word of God. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be looking at some words of wisdom from the Bible. The wisdom that we can learn from the Word of God, or godly wisdom, is something that is hard to describe, but only because it involves things that transcend this world and this temporary existence. Godly wisdom is the unlimited knowledge that God has to offer. It goes beyond any form of human ability, and it can benefit you now, but even more importantly, in the afterlife. It is in our best interest to make everything we do here count towards eternity. That's what godly wisdom does. Today's message is inspired on the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verses 6 to 21. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, Mighty God, the one who was and is and is to come. Lord God, there's no one like you. Blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever and ever, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your forgiveness. I pray for your mercy. I pray for your grace. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we depend on that. I depend on that. I need you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I know that I'm nothing without you. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray now, Heavenly Father, for your guidance, for your power. Lord God, for your ministering. Help us to understand your word. Help us to take it in, Lord God, but with the right mindset, with the right disposition, O Lord. Help us to understand the value of what you want for us to learn. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verses 6 through 21. This is the word of the Lord. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet as nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet as great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, 
but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. We can start today by saying that there are three general abilities that involve some form of intelligence that could be used for survival. Some people have a general amount of each and some people tend to lean more towards one of them. And these are intellect, savvy, and human wisdom. The first one we will quickly look at is intellect, and that is the faculty of reasoning and understanding objectively, especially with regard to abstract or academic matters. In other words, this ability is acquired through general learning. Some folks refer to this as book smart. This involves, for instance, the learning of science, mathematics, language, and so on. A person that is guided by their intellect tries to figure out things by what they read and studied from a trusted and or accepted sources. This type of learning does not happen on its own. A person comes equipped, if you will, with the ability to be able to learn information, but the acquired knowledge only happens through time and effort, and by having the resources available to do so. Having a high level of intellect can be very helpful as a means of survival in this world. The second form of intelligence is savvy, and savvy is shrewdness and practical knowledge, the ability to make good judgments. This is an ability that comes with the person. There are some people that have the innate ability to figure out things without really receiving or proper or structured instruction, or without intellectual knowledge, or even without formal training. This is a natural ability. They can see things more clearly than others, sometimes even more clearly than those that are intellectual, which can be frustrating for the intellectuals. These savvy folks can be successful business owners or politicians, things that may not necessarily require a high level of learning, but an ability to see things that you can't learn from a book. Being savvy can also be a very valuable ability that can prove quite useful in knowing how to deal with many of life's challenges. The third ability we'll touch on is human wisdom. This ability transcends intellect and savvy on their own because it's something that happens over time. It involves experience, either personal experience or gaining wisdom through other people's experience. Human wisdom is of great value because it may contain a certain level of intellect and savvy with experience, with the passage of time. Here's where listening to those people that are older than us can be quite helpful. A person should acquire over time a certain level of wisdom over the course of their life. There is quite frankly no substitute for experience and that is a major component of human wisdom. Human wisdom can be extremely valuable because it can help resolve issues that surpass intellect and savvy. There are some things that intellect or street smart folks are not able to figure out because a short-sighted solution is not the best answer sometimes. Human wisdom allows people to solve certain things in the long run. Now, all three of those things are very valuable, especially as tools for survival during our lifetimes. And if you have any of them, you can consider yourself quite fortunate. And as a personal opinion, if you have some of each, even better. All three of them are excellent for survival for this life. But can any of them transcend this temporary world, even though they can be quite useful and good? Can any of them lead into the eternal? And the answer is no. Some measure of each can be helpful, but by themselves they can never get you into eternity, nor can they by themselves impact eternity. A 
high level of intelligence cannot get you into heaven. An ample amount of savvy cannot help you figure out your own way into eternity. And human wisdom on its own can apply to the here and now or the earthly, but it is highly ineffective in the kingdom of God. So what then? What exists that can transcend this world? What can help impact eternity and not just the here and now? And the answer is godly wisdom. What is godly wisdom? Godly wisdom is learning from God himself, the eternal being that created the beginning, that has existed throughout the ages, and that will continue being who he is for all eternity. The Bible refers to him as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is no one that has existed longer than the Lord, so his level of experience is unfathomable. There is no one mightier than the God of the universe, and there is no one that can know more than he. The Lord is God, and nothing or no one can compare to him. He is the source of all godly wisdom, and as such, its value is also unimaginable and unlimited. I would hope that many of you are wondering if you're able to gain such an ability. And the answer is yes, you can have godly wisdom. Anyone can. How does it start? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That is where everything good starts, when you fear the Lord. The fear that is talked about here encompasses many things and concepts. It encompasses an incredibly deep and reverent form of respect. And although many do not subscribe to this idea, it also does involve some form of terror, not in the sense of, I am terrified of the Lord, but it's like an awestruck and imposing kind of fear, which can be terrible, but not terrifying, like a horror kind of terrifying. That's the kind of fear that we're talking about, the kind that the Bible talks about. Think about it this way. The sun can be a very beautiful thing, and seeing it every day is a wonderful thing. But getting too close to the sun can be terrifying because its stream, radiant heat will melt you instantaneously. That's the incredible balance of our solar system and how the Lord set the planets one day long ago when he spoke things into existence. If the earth gets just a few degrees closer to the sun, everything on this planet's surface will be consumed quite quickly. And conversely, if the earth is just a few degrees further away from the sun than it should be, then everything on this planet would freeze unequivocally. That is how we can get an idea of how this fear should work. God can be admired, respected, loved, and he should also be feared because everything he is and because of what he is capable of doing. Why should godly wisdom be important to us? Let's attempt to answer what I hope should be obvious through the scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 to 14 teaches us this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every good work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We can learn godly wisdom through God's commandments, through his word. Living out godly wisdom in our lives is the only way that we can do what is right before the Almighty. And God most certainly cares about what we do, starting with our decision to surrender our lives over to Him and live submitted to Him. That's the way we avoid the practice of sin as believers and followers of Jesus Christ by abiding in the Lord and trying to follow as best as possible all of the things He teaches us through His Word. The Bible, for instance, says this in Hebrews chapter 10, For if we sin willfully, 
after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Notice here that it says that if we willfully sin or live a lifestyle of sin, not taking into consideration what he tells us to do, that Jesus' sacrifice is somehow voided in our lives and that there should be a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation. It appears that mercy and grace are not in operation anymore because of this rebellious and or highly irreverent attitude. This is what happens when you don't fear God, when you take for granted His love and grace by stepping all over what He has done for you and me. It also says very clearly that the Lord will judge His people and that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, that it is a scary and terrible thing to be exposed to. Godly wisdom keeps you away from the terrible sight of God. The Bible teaches this about the Lord as well in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. If by any chance you're reading along, it says, fear him, with him being capital H, referring to the Lord. God is the only one that is involved with all judgment, such that he is the one that determines whether a person enters his kingdom or not. He is the one that determines the destruction of the body and the soul in hell. That's the truth. God is love, but the Bible also says that he is consuming fire. We need to fear the Lord, and that fear is what again allows for godly wisdom to start to develop in a person through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the instruction of the Word of God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 also says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If we acquire godly wisdom, then we will know how to sow in the Spirit, but also we will have the intention to want to sow in the Spirit because we fear the Lord, because we have understood who God is and what He is capable of. I cannot emphasize this enough, but it is completely necessary to endeavor to understand who God is and why He should be feared. We need to learn who God is. We cannot just stay with the knowledge of salvation or with a simple and hollow belief. That's why it is necessary to get into his word because that is the only source of knowledge where we can learn who he is. Ultimately, fearing the Lord, learning who he is, and digging into his word as much as possible is to our benefit. Why? Because if we endeavor to learn wisdom, and live wisely, we will prosper eternally. And this is something that neither our intellect, nor our savvy, nor earthly wisdom can ever help here and impact eternity in our favor. It's not just about going to heaven. 
It's about so much more than that. Going to heaven is only the tip of the iceberg. There is more than we can even fathom and or imagine. Why is it all of this important? Because according to the Bible, we need to know how to live wisely and be productive with the gift of salvation. One of the main fallacies in Christianity today is thinking that it is all about salvation in Christ and that's it. Being born again in Christ is only the beginning of something eternal. It's the start of eternity for every Christian, but we cannot stay at the beginning. We need to journey into eternity with eternal goals. Jesus explained it to us through this parable where he said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even when he has, will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The talent is not what many have mentioned over the years, this misconception that the talent refers to some kind of human gift or ability. And of course, even though a talent was a measure for money, he was not necessarily talking about material money in this parable. It's an analogy for something greater. The talent is the knowledge of God. That is God's greatest treasure for mankind, bestowing on us through His grace and instruction the knowledge of the Almighty. It's free. But God's expectation is that we are to be productive and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to produce even more. Notice that the parable talks about a man traveling to a far country. That is an analogy for God. And that this wealthy man called his own servants and not strangers to himself to distribute talents to each servant according to their own abilities. The ability that each servant has is through the Holy Spirit. And we read that one that had five produced five more and the one with two produced two more. 
But then we see the servant with the one talent and that he didn't do anything with it. He hid it. He did nothing. And when the time came to give an account, the Lord recognized the efforts of those that multiplied what they were given. But the one that did nothing with the talent and furthermore even accused the Lord of being hard, he was punished and cast out into the outer darkness. The master or the Lord was expecting a return upon his investment. He wanted to see more return to him than what he gave. I think that those of us that are investors can understand this concept or those people that have some sort of retirement plan. If a person invests $5 with the hope of obtaining gains on those $5, do you think that anyone will be happy with just getting back what they put in? Every investor wants to receive gains. It's the same thing for relationships. There is an investment of time and effort and care and energy into a relationship. Does anyone like to just give and give and give and never receive anything back from the person they're constantly giving to? I think not. We all want to see positive results, positive gains. And that is God's expectation even until this day. And especially considering the high cost that paid for our salvation, the death of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He surrendered what was most valuable to him so that we could be saved, redeemed, transformed, but also productive. That is why it is impossible to accept teachings that don't reinforce valuing what God did and revering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. John chapter 15 verse 1 to 2 tells us that we need to produce fruit and that if we don't produce fruit, that the branch will be taken away. This is what it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is the reason for why we should look for godly wisdom so we can know how to produce more talents, more fruit, ultimately yield to God what every follower of Jesus Christ should yield to him while living here on this world. The passage that we read at the beginning contains just a small portion of the vastness of God's instructions or counsel to man, godly wisdom, so that man can be productive in Christ, things that make us productive here so that our good works in Christ can count for us in the afterlife, in eternity. That is what is gained through godly wisdom. That is the only ability that transcends this temporary world and leads into eternity. I encourage you to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to earnestly look for God's wisdom so that you can achieve eternal salvation and eternal reward through Jesus Christ, the one that makes all things possible through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Just like the verse we just read in Proverbs says, evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That means that he opened the path for all mankind through him that leads to the Father, to immortality. And that path can only be followed through the application of godly wisdom. Godly wisdom when learned and applied in our lives effectively can make everything that we do here and now count towards eternity for our own gain and benefit and of course, for the glory of God Almighty. There is something unimaginable that is worth living and dying for that only God can grant to those that love Him, but we can only learn how to attain such a thing 
through godly wisdom, which can only be fostered in our lives through the indwelling and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the instruction of the Word of God. Godly wisdom basically helps us see things through the eyes of God. It is truly difficult to explain clearly, but it is something that can change your whole perspective on life. But we need to learn how to fear and love the Lord. Fear and love go hand in hand. I urge you today to start or continue on this quest to gaining godly wisdom for your own good and for the good of those that surround you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your wisdom. I give you thanks, O Lord, for, for your kind offer to us, for your gift through your Son, Jesus Christ, but also, Lord God, for granting us the, the opportunity to be able to gain your wisdom, your learning, your understanding, your experience, Lord God. Heavenly Father, there is no one like you. No one can know more than you, Lord God. No one can do more than you can. Lord God, there's absolutely no one like you in the universe. Help us to understand that. Help us to understand who you are, Lord God. And help us to understand the wisdom that you have. The understanding, the knowledge. Help us, O oh Lord, to be hungry for that. Help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, to, to desire that with all of our hearts. To be able to learn from you. To be able to see things through your eyes, through your understanding, Lord God. To ultimately be able to do those things that please you, that bring you honor and glory, and Heavenly Father, that bring us eternal life, eternal reward, Lord God, that opens a door to things that we could have never imagined. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks again for your Son, Jesus Christ, because He is the one that makes everything possible, Lord God. I give you thanks for your goodness, that you wish to bestow this to us, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand, Lord God, all the things that you mean to share with us. Thank you because you are truly good and awesome in every kind of way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.